Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of B2B Nav and this week we're going to touch on the topic of talent. Um, I guess that's talent acquisition, talent retention um, and obviously the impact on talent of um, the ongoing um, global pandemic um, and what that's meaning for um, scarcity of talent or availability and so on. And I think we've been, we're heavy on the recruitment drive again here at BDB. So if you know anybody, by all means, feel free to uh, chuck us their details so you think it'd be a good fit for us. Shameless plug there. Um, but also, it's an interesting experience, I guess, going through that recruitment at the minute. And I know um, both Ollie and John, um, from BDB's perspective, are both proactively adding to their teams and have been interviewing recently and going through the, the, the process of multiple CV reviews and candidate reviews. And I guess, kick it off, guys. What, what's, your, what's, your, what's your thoughts on kind of the marketplace at the minute? mid mid post covid dare we say post but interesting i think it's probably the best way to describe it i don't know what you found ollie but the quality of cvs that i've seen is actually up mm-hmm. from the usual kind of people kicking around and you get the usual suspects kind of bouncing around four or five recruiters the actual mm-hmm. quality and i guess fickleness of the candidates mm-hmm. It's weird. It's kind of the quality's gone up and they seem to be sticking with one recruiter. You're not getting multiple copies through. So I don't know what it's, yeah. what that changes down to, but it's definitely, there's definitely a change in the dynamic now yeah. of the quality yeah. of people available and the volume of them. Especially if you think about the, the people that would normally be thinking about the market, people that are either been let go because they're not doing the job well enough, mm-hmm. or are really good but just looking for the next move and there's clearly going to be fewer of them um, at any one time because, you know, people don't move that often if they're, if they're doing a really great job and generally quite happy. Whereas yeah. the minute, obviously we're in a situation where everybody's been, um, some people preemptively cutting corners before they had to, um, cutting people back. Uh, and then obviously in some cases it was really needed, but we've seen that and I think we've talked about it on previous podcasts where people have been really proactive with how they've cut down their, their mm. work. And I think that just means that at the moment, it is a bit of a, a good position, dare I say, to be in if you're an employer looking to recruit, if you're in a position to recruit. It's clear buyer's market, isn't it? Yeah. It feels like that at the minute. I think, it, um, yeah, you know, I think we, before we jumped um, on live here, it was a case of BDB previously when we've been trying to add to our team and talent, we are, we are selective about who we want and we've got, you know, we have got genuinely high standards about who we want to attract to the team. But in recent years, it's been so difficult to find the right team members and the quality of talent you're looking for. And that certainly seems, it's totally different for me at the minute because normally the stigma, as you said, Ollie, I think is that during this kind of process, people shed their weakest it's probably a fair summary to say you don't tend to get rid of your best people. Um, but I think because it's been such a um, cataclysmic effect of, uh, that's hit everybody, there's an awful lot of really high quality talent kicking about. Yeah. So I've been, I've been relieved, um, but also impressed. And you've still got to go through the dearth of going through the CVs and cutting through the dross. But there's also, there seems to be more high quality talent available in the marketplace than, than yeah. I've ever seen it's before. Not- not quite as soul destroying as it usually is, is it? It's kind of pleasant to see that kind of quality. And like you said, I mean, the amount of, you know, how difficult has it been to manage recruitment and client services, for example, over the last 12 months, it's been a really difficult kind of process. Whereas now you're seeing a much higher quality come through and just from the amount of people that we've managed to kind of secure. And what, what, what do you think in terms of the impact on, 
salaries and pay scales and that kind of thing because obviously if it is a like say a buyer's market or an employer's market in this case do you think we're going to see salaries getting suppressed a little bit or maybe a bit more of an alignment because i think um again flipping it previously when we were struggling to find talent because you have high standards you were paying hugely over the odds to get mm. real talent into your books and into your teams and whereas now it is much more definitely the buy, the buyer's market the employer's market um supply and demand so to speak so if there's um an oversupply i'm seeing the salaries being more realistically priced yeah. i guess in the marketplace as well are you are you guys seeing uh, that in the cvs that you're seeing yeah. the talent because it, it is like you say supply and demand and if you think about i guess what's going on across the board in, in all industries one mm. way or another there have been a big drop in salaries either because people have had to take pay cuts to help companies survive or reduced hours or just lost jobs entirely so yeah. there's a bit of a rebalancing that does mean that it does work out a little bit more favorably for employees to again look at now as the time to expand Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of feels more realistic. Yeah, there's been a couple where we've been chatting Matt, about a couple yeah. of potential candidates and employees. And when when I've asked that fateful question of what's what kind of salary expectation they're looking for, when you come back to me, I've actually for now, oh, that's that's really reasonable. You know, and it's kind of I think people are also self-regulating, so there's a reality check within the candidate stru- sort of pool as well that yeah. they're they're not coming in off the back of code, knowing that they're very talented, knowing that they've got skills, knowing they've got ability. Yeah. But they're being realistic about, you know, the needs to kind of be part of something. So they're not overselling. They're kind of being much more kind of long-term, I think, which is nice. You're looking at people and you're interviewing them mm-hmm. and having discussions at interview about a longer term vision over two to three years, rather than, bringing them on and not having any idea about whether they're going to be with us in 12, 18 months. Yeah, no, I, th- I think people are much more, seem more, more career minded at the minute and are open to those discussions for sure. And I think, I suppose as an employer at the minute, that's riding the, riding the storm relatively well, I would say at BDB so far, but in the sense of you always say touch wood and thankfully I've got a table in front of me here, but so far we're doing okay with the sectors that we work across and the nature of our clients. I think, you know, people are gravitated towards us here for the opportunities as well, arguably, because maybe they do see it as a bit of a safe house in the meantime because of the clients yeah. that we work with. Because I know like one of the chaps we interviewed um, the other week who pretty much came from a, an agency specialising in hospitality and tourism and leisure virtually. And as the words came yeah. out of his mouth, I just thought, oh, Christ, yeah. that overnight, I think their entire workflow had yeah, just been decimated, hadn't it? Stopped, didn't it? Yeah. Gone effectively, hadn't it? But do you think, all of you, does that apply to digital as well, Ollie? Because I think in terms of the creative side of things, the talent available and the broader marketplace, yep, definitely we're seeing higher quality talent. But with the move from maybe physical to more virtual and the, you know, the, the, the acceleration of maybe digitization across various clients, shouldn't digital be busier than ever, arguably? It's slightly hard to say. I mean, obviously, unless you start doing a deep dive and in-depth study, these things probably are. I think there's a couple of ways to look at it because I was speaking to a company that's in um, software development a couple of weeks ago and they found that while you'd think that they'd be continuing on and things like that, their clients had had the constraints on them. So their their clients aren't in the digital world. They might have needed a a digital solution, but because they've had a downturn, all their projects get put on hold. And I think in some cases that's temporarily put on hold while we panic and say what's going on. So that might be a period of a month or two. Mm -hmm. But in other cases, a serious economic consideration of you know how are we going to 
you know, manage our, our finances for the rest of the year. Sure. Hold them and worry about in the year. So I think from that point of view, it'd be interesting. You know, in in many ways, you can you can think that it would be continuing just fine, and digital uh, people would remain employed and have jobs and so on. But I think it's also easy to see where there could be a bit of fear in there and where. You know, depending on the sectors people are operating in and who their companies were serving client-wise, then it's quite easy for people to have also kind of cut back, cut back spend, cut back the employee count. Do you think? Do you think there's potential during this period? And this is a genuine question to either of you. It's just things that have been crossing my mind during as we're trying to run the business through this pandemic. I guess. Do you think that the businesses with a stronger employer brand, or maybe how they've how they've reacted and how they've adapted to this experience, which I don't think any of us have been through before, obviously. But it seems to me like there's some employers are getting it really right and maybe from an external perspective and some have got it catastrophically <laughs> wrong. Yeah. Do you think that's going to play well and bode well for the future for, for, for those brands that have succeeded in terms of how they, how they um, navigated this, this? I don't think it can do anything but be positive, can it? And I think, you know, thinking about BDB and the culture mm-hmm. within BDB and it's kind of that I think is definitely you know brought everyone together you know there's been a real you know with one of our values being we're stronger together that out of all of our four values for me has been the one that's been most evident in the last 100 and something days yeah yeah you know you do see that real kind of collective sort of impetus to succeed so I, I think, think on, that, on, that, on that point, John, it's interesting that because I've had lots, lots of discussions with various colleagues and friends and, and some of them of you know other businesses that we've worked with as well about how they're reacting to it. And it's quite interesting listening to their stories about which generations are dealing with it better. Um, yeah. Just as a side point, but it's really, <laughs> yeah. it's really interesting. You know, is it, is it the young guys that are rolling up the sleeves, your guys and girls who are rolling up the sleeves and getting stuck in and really driving that kind of stronger together mentality of helping people out? Or is it the more mature people who are coping with it better because they've had more stresses, more strains, more experience? And there doesn't seem to be a natural trend line you can draw, I don't think, in the sense no. of this, because most of my friends seem to be saying they're younger guys who do really well with it and have really stepped up. And I'd, I'd say here at BDB, probably the younger guys are the ones that struggle more than anyone to an extent, which is just an interesting observation. It's not a criticism of anybody. It's just something that I've, I've been reflecting on here. But have you noticed any patterns there, do you think, in terms of even in your own lives, your friends, your circles? I think the biggest pattern I've noticed is people with kids. <laughs> <laughs> what, they've got them in the back of every podcast. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I can't say, again, maybe we're not, we've got not, not large enough people that we're looking at. I can't say I've seen any particular pattern in terms of, you know, who's found this situation hard. I think it's making, do you think it's making colleagues more empathetic to one another or, or not? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would say, just as a personal observation, I would say without doubt. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the biggest drivers of that is teams. Yep. And being able to kind of be available for people, but also people are much more, I think, respectful of the red light. Yeah. Weirdly. Yeah. 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 You know, you look at it and you go, oh, 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 they're busy. And then instead of just barrowing in which i was gonna say or like me just barrows through it's like red light's fine straight in yeah that's all right (laughs) color blind don't worry about it yeah it's kind of like you do you then then you look at someone's calendar and you make a much more of a conscious effort to kind of be respectful of time and i've noticed everybody yeah myself probably in particular has been much more kind of conscious of 
okay, well, I'm not just going to go and raid in and yeah, like a bull in a china shop. And I think that's been a really positive thing. And I think that hopefully will be a, a cultural thing that will do you think that, do you think that's imp- beyond. Do you think that's improving efficiency in some way in terms of... Massively. In terms of, I don't mean less needless conversation because the needless conversation is obviously <laughs> no. But I mean it. I'm laughing. I'm laughing because you know what I mean. With your with your personality profile, we had back years ago. But I mean it more in the sense of um, the, ad hoc conversa- the ad hoc conversations is what makes an office buzz, in my opinion, and that's what makes yeah. it tick. And but maybe but there's I less. I think what we've got is a redressed balance mm-hmm. to something that's slightly more even in terms yeah. of. You know, I was in the office for the first time on Wednesday. Ollie and I chewed the fat for 10, 15 minutes, and that was cool. And it was nice to actually speak to someone in person. Yeah. But then we get we got on with stuff rather than it being, you know, you start chewing the fat and it just carries on and carries on and carries on. It was a mm-hmm. bit more kind of yeah. focused and we both had things to do. I do feel that um, you're missing a lot as well, though, because... Yes, we're more focused on our individual tasks, but there's so much in, in the way of you're not hearing what's going on. You can't give somebody an opinion because you've overheard a conversation. So I think in that way, um, you end up being a little bit more insular, even if it's insular within a team. You, you know, you're not getting any external people that are hearing that, weighing in on it and, and being able to offer support that you- Yeah, I, I, hate, I always hated the phrase, that water cooler conversation or whatever they call it in the US, but in the sense yeah. of- that, oh, that, yeah. no, but that, but that is missing. I agree with you, Ollie, in the sense of when those little chats, you do overhear something, don't you? You throw an opinion in, sometimes wanted and sometimes not, obviously, but in the sense of mm. at least you're there to kind of try to contribute. So those ad hoc... To do it. Yeah. It seems like it's got a lot more structured. What What do you think in terms of teams and talent? I mean, sorry, I mean the, as in the talent within the team and their desire to continue to work from home i mean there's a lot of noise at the minute about offices are dead and you know everybody's going to work from home forever from now on what's your thoughts i think we're going to end up with a a bit a better balance for second john's point earlier which is Mm. that but you know before i don't have figures of what people worked at home at bdb i feel that people were maybe working at home a day a week here and there yeah rather than being something that that was done kind of regularly obviously we had a couple of people in the team that, that might have a more fixed day of this is my work at home day um but i think we'll see now that people are you know might start working at home a bit more so that's a couple of days a week and, and i think we'll be able to cope with that better now yeah um yeah. as used to it this this has forced us to get used to it pretty quickly mm-hmm. i find it i mean you know and i suppose everyone's got their own workflows and their own methodologies haven't they but yeah from a creative perspective, I find it quite liberating being at home because it allows me to kind of just compartmentalize one project or one process or one job. Yeah. And actually get re- really deep dive into it. Yeah. I heard an interesting story from over half Joni, her, one of her colleagues who's based in London, mm-hmm. his pre COVID, as we'll call it, yeah. would commute up to Manchester mm-hmm. every week. Irrespective, it was the done thing and he'd do it. Yeah. And he's actually made a conscious decision now. He said, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'll, if there's a meeting that I need to attend, yeah. I will come up and I'll be there at 9am as needed. Yeah. No more am I going to come up just to sit in the office. Yeah. Because yeah. it's for him, it, well, obviously it's a huge drag to do the two hour journey up. Well, and I, it's not affected their workflow at all. Agreed. I was chatting to one of them. Um, 
one of my contacts, who, you know, John, we've done some work with them and Ollie, you know them as well, but in the sense of um, they were flying people back and to, to Hong Kong for one hour and two hour long meetings, quite regularly, by the way, as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's forced their hand to not only are they making significant savings by obviously not doing that and people being more familiar with kind of this, this type of interaction over Teams or Zoom or whatever it may be, but also, um, you know, the impact on the environment, sustainability and all the other kind of mm. corporate agendas that it naturally leans itself to as well, alongside significant cost savings for a lot of people. So I think this this period over the last, what, what, what three to six months now, wherever, wherever we're at in it, is um, going to be quite eye-opening for a lot of businesses who realise they don't need to spend that much on travel. So when people are flying yeah. business class around the world, when people are um, fine dining in restaurants, and I'm not saying that will ever go away, there's always going to be that element of schmoozing and new business and entertaining without doubt. Um, but I think the frequency of it will be so become so the exception, not the rule, won't it? Yeah, I think so. And I think, yeah, I think maybe justifying why you need to go somewhere will become more of an issue. And what's what are you going specifically for? What are the objectives? Which well, might maybe detract from the fun sometimes. Certainly should should help accelerate agendas and, and ensure people are hitting their yeah. objectives more. I think yeah, it'll be yeah. int- it's going to be interesting, isn't it? It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I don't think that it doesn't replace the need for for face-to-face contact. I think it was, whether it was you and me, Mark, or me and Gemma having a quick discussion about, you know, when you're onboarding people, Yeah. I think there's still a need. That person can't just join the business. You know, we obviously with some of the ones we've had recruited over the lockdown, we've had to do this. But, yeah. hang on, excuse me one second. Thank you. I'll tell you what, that is service. That is certainly that's a cup of tea. I'm nice. oh, very nice. Um, Nobody's bringing me tea. <laughs> that's the advantage of working from home. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But but that kind of thing, there's no substitute for meeting team members face to face, getting to know them. You know, I wouldn't. I'd hate the idea of trying to onboard someone and then re- onboard them remotely and then keep them remote. It, I just yeah. don't think it works. I just don't think you. I don't think you'll. I don't think you'd ever have any culture though, would you? I, I no. don't, I, in my, in, like, I, I'm sort of, I'm a bit torn on it. I think I said it on one of the previous podcasts, a bit in two minds at the minute, genuinely. I think there's benefit, great benefits from working from home, great yeah. benefits for people's personal lives and supporting them and making more balance. I think you said it earlier, Ollie, definitely. But being in the office together is what creates the buzz and the culture and camaraderie. Yeah. You cannot create that. Or, or somebody needs to convince me that you can. You cannot create that can. over teams. It's just not. But I think, you, no, you absolutely can't. But that's the the irony of this is I think it's our culture that we developed when we were all in the office. Yeah. That has actually made it work now. Yeah. yeah. I think if yeah. we hadn't got the relationship that we've all got with each other and the culture and the trust, mm-hmm. we'd be in a totally different situation as a business. Develop it, you know working our way through this i don't well, think that's what you see that's what you see with a lot of other companies and employers i think isn't it you've seen a lot of other companies and employers struggling because they ultimately don't trust the workforce to work from home so they don't yeah. trust that they'll be doing the work they don't trust that we're putting the work in and certainly i can only speak about our culture but yeah our culture very much is you know the execution matters and we've got to get it done it's always been a bit more i don't really care when you do it just get the work done you know what you need to do that week yeah. you know what the volume of work is and fit it around your your schedule so we've always had better flexibility here but it does give you that faith i think that you know the team's going to be working hard you hope so anyway you know yeah um, without yeah. having a big brother mentality if you've logged on i'm clocking you i'm, I'm checking you every five minutes which 
I know a lot of other guys who are running more call centers and, and SaaS-based outbound calling businesses. Obviously, they've got dashboards, calls. They know if somebody's sat there, yeah. how many calls they've put in. And that must be quite scary almost at home in a way, I guess, if you're working there and you feel like somebody's breathing down your neck digitally. Um, yeah. We'll see. Exciting times ahead, right? All right, guys. Yeah. If you, um, the talent issue, I think, is due out in July. That's right, isn't it, John? It is, yes. The talent issue of the knowledge. Um, so feel free to check out our ungated online content hub, www.b2bknowledge.com, helping our clients, prospects, and contacts navigate the uh, ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Um, so yeah, lots of other issues on there, but a nice one on talent. And I think this space is just going to continue to evolve as the months come. So yeah, yeah everything I'm hearing is going to short, spiky little strategies at the minute and keep your team informed speak to them every two to three weeks because things are changing so quickly. So um, I think that's the best advice is maintain dialogue with your team, update them regularly, but only when maybe there's something more pertinent to say. Um, so yeah, um, hopefully everybody enjoyed that one and we'll see you next week. Thanks very much. Okay. Cheers.